Welcome back to Dirty Chai Chats, a podcast about sexual health, love, and relationships at Tufts. My name is Lucy, and I use she, her pronouns, and I'm one of the sex health reps. The first thing to say is a trigger warning. We will be discussing abusive and controlling tactics and intimate partner violence, but we will discuss no graphic descriptions or discussion of sexual violence. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and today we're talking with Emma, the Associate Prevention and Response Specialist for the CARE Office. Emma is also a yoga teacher, a state-certified sexual assault counselor, and a domestic violence advocate. In her role at Tufts in the CARE Office, she serves as a confidential resource for anyone who has been impacted by sexual misconduct, for those who've experienced harm, witnessed harm, or caused harm. Today, we will be discussing domestic violence, or intimate partner violence, among college students. Emma will be providing some insight into the misconceptions and prevalence about relationship violence and what this may look like in college relationships. We will also be discussing some of the resources available at Tufts if you want to learn more or if you hope to seek support. Welcome, Emma. How are you? I'm good. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me back. Wonderful. Our first question is, what are some common misconceptions that you encounter surrounding domestic violence? Well, the first thing I want to say is that when people usually think of domestic violence, they think about parents fighting in the home or parents abusing children. And I'd say most college students would think that domestic violence has nothing to do with their dating relationship. So for this conversation, I just want to widen the term domestic violence to include dating violence, relationship violence, abusive behavior, intimate partner violence, teen dating violence. There's lots of different words for this. Um, But I'd say most college-age students who are in unhealthy or abusive relationships wouldn't hear the term domestic violence and think that it has anything to do with them. And then other misconception is that relationship violence or domestic violence only refers to physical violence. So actually, among college students, mostly abuse or violence is emotional or psychological. It's much less likely to be physical um, during this stage in young people's lives. And the last thing I would say about misconceptions is that In the media, in the common narratives in our country, people talk about men being violent against women, which does happen, um, but there's just exactly the same rates of intimate partner violence between queer couples, um, whether that's trans people and women, men and men, cis people, trans people. Um, So while men do harm women at alarmingly high rates, there are actually higher rates of intimate partner violence among people of all genders. That was really helpful. How prevalent would you say intimate partner violence is in young adult or college relationships? According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, about 21% of college students of all genders report that they've experienced dating violence from a current partner, right? So people who are partnered Mm -hmm. in college, 21% of them have been harmed by their current partner. And that same study from the National Coalition Against DV found that about 32% of college students report dating violence from a previous partner. So we don't know how those numbers overlap with each other, but 32% have experienced it in the past, Mm -hmm. 21% experiencing it in a current relationship. So those numbers are pretty high. Yeah, that's what, one in five, one to one in three. That's Mm -hmm. very prevalent. And in your experience, what can relationship violence or abusive behavior in, in college students look like? So what do you see most often? 
So in my role at CARE, I'm a confidential resource, so of course I'm not going to share any specific stories or details that would identify anybody, but I do get a lot of people coming in to talk about their relationships. Sometimes they're asking if something is abusive behavior, or sometimes they feel really sure that there's harm happening and I just want to talk about what's going on. So overall, what I see most is controlling behavior. Um, with our new technology, not that new, but the way people are using it these days, what I see a lot of is a partner requiring someone to share the location. So I know it's super common. People have find my friends with mm -hmm. all their friends, right? This is a thing that we do in healthy relationships all the time. Um, and people have different boundaries, right? Not everybody shares. But that when there's controlling behavior, right, one partner is pressuring the other partner into requiring location sharing. Um, sometimes I hear stories that a partner is making the other person prove their location. So if they're like, I'm at, you know, Sally's house, they're like, we'll take a picture of you with Sally. Send me a picture. Exactly. To actually prove where you are. Or in some more extreme situations I've heard of that if someone is sharing their location with their partner and they they have talked to them and they're like, oh, I'm going to whoever's house for dinner. And then their partner notices that actually they're somewhere else that that partner will check in and be like, why are you in that other dorm? Like, I know mm -hmm. that's not where Sally lives. Um, I don't know why that's my example name today. So <laughs> forgive any Sally's who are listening. But the idea that they are constantly checking your location, which again is different than deciding with a friend that you're going to share locations with each other to for just safety reasons. for safety when you're walking home or mm -hmm. exactly. But if one partner is like, I need to know where you are at all times, that's not a super healthy behavior. My quick rule for that is that if a partner is acting like a parent, there's a problem. We call it the three Ps, right? So if a partner mm -hmm. is acting like a parent, a parent or a guardian is allowed to be like, where are you? When are you coming home? Who are you with? What are you going to do? Those are the kinds of things parents and guardians are allowed to ask us because when we're younger, they're trying to keep us safe. They're in charge. But partners are not in charge. Um, so the three Ps, a partner should not be acting mm -hmm. like a parent or there's a problem. Similarly, in terms of pressuring, I hear a lot about partners pressuring someone to give their password to accounts, right? I want to be able to look through your whole Snapchat. I want access to your Instagram. I want your TikTok. Um, and then there's this, when someone presents a boundary to be like, no, <laughs> that's private. I can show you. I'll look through it with you, but I'm not going to give you my login information. People will say things like, well, if you had nothing to hide, you would give me your passwords, right? There's a sense that like, oh, if you were being honest with me, we wouldn't have to have any boundaries. If I could trust you, then we wouldn't have any boundaries. But actually, in a trusting, healthy relationship, it's perfectly reasonable to have boundaries because you trust each other. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of pressuring with this sort of, this mantra of like, you must be hiding something if you're going to keep anything private, right? But you are allowed to have privacy. And is that like looking at DMs on Instagram or... For sure. Yeah. Or even access to someone's phone, right? Looking through text messages, text. which is often then paired with, why are you texting with so-and-so, right? Is that that guy from your class? Like, it sounds like he's flirting with you. Like, who is this random person who DM'd you that there can be, when people are looking for something to be upset about, they're going to find it, right? And a lot of this is housed in jealousy, right? So in a healthy relationship, jealousy might happen. That's a totally natural human emotion. But if someone has healthy communication strategies, they would say something like, hey, it makes me kind of jealous that you're DMing with hot people on the internet. Can we check in about that? 
as opposed to being like, if you really loved me, you would never talk to other girls or this sort of sense that you owe your partner something. Um, and sometimes it can feel really romantic when someone's kind of jealous and they it makes you feel really special and desired. And that's great. Um, but there is it can cross a line into, well, now I'm controlling your behavior because I'm jealous instead of I'm just making you feel special because I'm a little bit jealous in a totally normal, natural way. And then one other thing I'll share, I see a lot in unhealthy relationships, is that there's a specific kind of apology after someone has blown up, whether they got really angry, whether there was physical harm, whether there was just an outburst, that the apology is said in such a way that it makes the victimized partner feel like it was their fault. So like, I'm sorry I got mad. If you had just shared your location with me, I wouldn't have had to yell at you. Putting it on them. Right. Instead of being like, I'm sorry I got mad. I'm being accountable for that. <laughs> I'm going to work on this. I'm, I shouldn't call you names, like whatever it is. But that there can be this sneaky turnaround of like, you always do this and you know it makes me angry is very different than actually having healthy communication mm -hmm. around like, what are the things that bother us? And like, how can we work on this together as partners? And knowing how to give a sincere apology and accountability if you've actually messed up, I think. Absolutely. Totally see that. Right, which is so different than if you just didn't blank, I wouldn't have to get mad at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So what would you say um, are some things that young people should look out for? Or what are the warning signs when a relationship is getting to an unhealthy point? That's a really important question, and I feel like there's this really trendy thing to talk about red flags. Um, so instead of doing that, my main thing that I would suggest people look out for is just a simple question. How easy is it to communicate your needs and boundaries with your partner? And their response tells you what you need to know, right? If, they're, if you're like, oh, I'd actually, I don't want to give you all my logins, and they're just pressuring you, I'm pressuring you, well, if you loved me, if you had nothing to hide, like that's, that's an intense reaction to a totally reasonable boundary, right? Or if you're like, actually, I don't want to go out tonight, I want to see my friends, and they're like, I guess you're not committed to the relationship, like, right? That if there's just not an ability to have communication, um, which no one is perfect at communicating. I don't mean to say that like if you have a tough conversation, it's an abusive relationship, but that you shouldn't feel like, oh, I'd, I want this thing or I need this, but I don't want to bring it up because I'm really worried about how she's going to react. Or like, I just feel like I'm walking on eggshells around him. I don't want to set off the, the ticking bomb. Fearing that like disproportionate reaction to, to something small. Right, yeah. yeah. Or just the sense of, like, it's not worth the hassle. Yeah. Because that's a form of emotional manipulation, right? Like, if I'm in a relationship and every time my partner asks for something, I throw such a fit that now they've learned it's just easier to not ever ask for what they need. That's an unhealthy relationship dynamic, right? That is manipulative behavior on my part. Even if I'm not doing it in, on purpose, um, but that if I am being so reactive or pushing so hard back on their boundaries or whatever it is, that people just give up. Uh, and in a healthy relationship, you should be perfectly able, even though it might feel hard or awkward or embarrassing, to actually say what you need and have the other person listen to you. Another thing, um, since you asked about warning signs, is that often friends just kind of pick up on this first. Because, again, if I'm in a relationship and I have really strong feelings for this person, 
like those are important. Those are really valid. And I might excuse other behavior or not even notice more harmful behavior because I actually really love this person. Um, so friends sometimes can can be the first ones to notice. And I don't mean when your friends are like, we don't like her. Whatever. Sometimes your friends don't like your partner. But I mean, if your friends are like, it's not okay that she like always puts you down or it's like not okay that she talks shit about you behind your back or it's not okay that every time you ask to use a condom he makes a huge fuss and says you don't understand it doesn't feel as good and just like Mm -hmm. never respects your boundary right so friends sometimes can um pick up on this kind of thing first and it can be so hard because we have the strong feelings for that person and we we have all these other things but listening to what your friends say can be really useful I can totally see that, yeah. Getting past that, even people talk about the honeymoon phase or sort of those like love goggles that that people get stuck in when they're in a relationship or really infatuated with someone. Absolutely. And it's so much easier to be, and I've been the friend who's been in that situation of like seeing it rationally and it's just so hard our emotions are so (laughs) yeah and I appreciate you mentioned the honeymoon phase because another important piece is people are not usually abusive and controlling at the beginning right if you went on a first date with someone and they called you names and shoved you and made you feel bad you would not go out with them again right so people who are in unhealthy or abusive relationships they're not idiots they're not ignorant it's not that they're not aware that they you know, the things are not right, but they had all this wonderful stuff at the beginning. And there's often a hope of like, I just, well, you just need to get back to that, right? Um, because these things usually develop over time. So when we talk about abusive or unhealthy relationships or domestic violence, I do not mean that if you've had one really yucky fight with someone, that's an abusive relationship, right? Or you're like, oh no, my partner asked me for my passwords yesterday. Does that mean we're in an unhealthy relationship? No, we're talking about patterns of controlling behavior that escalate over time. Yeah, that that all makes so much sense. Thinking about relationships over time and how they build, especially so many people get in relationships really early in the semester or early in their college career. And then those kind of can stick through and how how to navigate that if when things get tricky or or unhealthy of how how do you get out of that that can be really tough I think for a lot of people who I know a lot of people who've never experienced college without their partner or without a partner from from before they arrived and how do you navigate that I think is very true one of my last questions is where can you get support if you think your relationship might be unhealthy Well, CARE is a wonderful option. Obviously, I'm going to plug CARE. um, But everyone who works at CARE is a confidential resource. So what that means is other people who work at Tufts are required to report something if they hear about sexual misconduct or abusive behavior um, or anything against the code of conduct. But at CARE, we are not mandated reporters. So everything you tell us about a relationship you're in is completely confidential. So that can be a nice way, like you're not trying to report someone, but you just want to talk things through, figure out how you might get out of this relationship or even just have a Talk to just better understand what is actually going on in your relationship and how you feel about it. It can be helpful to process out loud. So care is confidential. Um, in terms of local resources, there's a wonderful Boston-based organization called Casa Mirna, who I actually worked with closely in a previous job I had. Um, they 
are a great resource for information about intimate partner violence, domestic violence, dating violence. They offer counseling. Um, and for really serious situations, they have a safe house, right? So if you're actually ever at a point where you need to disappear and get away from somebody, that that is something that Casamirna can provide. Here at Tufts, if again, you're in a really serious situation and you want to make sure this other person cannot contact you anymore, OEO, the Office of Equal Opportunity, is a place where you can report any harm you've experienced or get a no-contact order against somebody, and you don't have to report to get a no-contact order against someone. So if you have broken up with somebody who was harmful to you and you want some assurance that they just can't talk to you, you don't want an investigation, but you just want to make sure there's something in place at the university level that says that person can't talk to you. That is possible through OEO, and CARE can walk you through all of that as well. So you could, you know, make an appointment with me and check in first, and I can answer any questions that you have about that. And then the last thing, uh, which we can put as a link in the episode description, there's something called the power and control wheel that people developed a long time ago to sort of think about what happens in unhealthy or abusive relationships. And there's one specifically for younger adults. And then on the flip side, there's an equality wheel, right? Whether the things that would be happening in a healthy relationship. So sometimes I sit down with students who are wondering about their relationships or feel like something's not quite right. And we'll look at the wheel and be like, just mark the things that are present on both wheels in your relationship. So that is a own your self-reflection tool that you could use for yourself as well if you're interested in maybe you're not you don't want to talk to anyone about this yet, but just want to spend some time thinking through this on your own. That sounds really interesting. I'm excited to check that out. Uh, thank you so much, Emma, for talking with us and for all your work at Tufts. I've really enjoyed our conversation today, and so thank you so much. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Dirty Chai Chats. Emma and the other leaders at the CARE office are a great confidential resource if you have questions or concerns about sexual health or misconduct. If you want to get in contact with the CARE office, you can make an appointment online at care.tufts.edu. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.